Okay, good. So like I said, yeah, we're going to continue. We're going to continue on the peace of God. And what we want to look at specifically today is how we can experience and maintain God's peace. All right. Um, so I'm sharing my slides. Unfortunately, for those of us on Zoom, we won't be able to see this, but um, we want to look at how we can maintain and how we can experience and maintain the peace of God. Okay. So, and I mean, this is the part of, of, our, of our Shalom series, which is pretty much the peace of God. All right. So what we want to look at today is how to, how to experience and maintain the peace of God. And the reason is because uh, people experience the peace of God. Some people experience the peace of God once in a while, but that's not God, God's intention. God's desire for us is to perpetually enjoy his peace. And we saw last week that um, Jesus Christ said, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, um, give I your, give me, uh, give I uh, my peace, all right? So there is the peace that God himself gives. Um, there is a peace that comes directly from God, all right? And this is what we want to look at. And that peace that comes from God shouldn't have an end, should be perpetual, should continue um, every through every season, through every experience of our lives, all right? And so this is what we want to look at in the next um, few minutes that we have. So please stay with me, all right? So first of all, let's start with this scripture, um, with two scriptures, actually. First, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7 and 15. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7 and verse 15. I'm going to do my best to see how we can finish this in one hour, but I'm not too confident we would be able to finish it. And so if we don't, we'll just continue um, from where we stop next week. But Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7, verse 7 and verse 15, it says, for the Egyptians shall help in vain. So God was speaking prophetically to the Israelites. And at this point, they were looking for external help and they were running helter-skelter, looking for help from the left and from the right. And in those days, the uh, Egyptians, sorry, the Egyptians were known for their military might and their military strength. But look at what the Bible says, that for the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore, have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. So God was telling the Israelites that the Egyptians' help is in vain. Their assistance is for, to no purpose, right? Meaning it is futile. And that's why God has been crying out and letting them know that your real strength is not coming from outside. Your real strength is not an, is not an external impute. Your real strength, the Bible says, their strength is to sit still. So there's a strength that comes from stillness in our hearts. There's a strength that comes from peace within our hearts. And the devil knows this. And that's why he always fights our peace, all right? And um, he knows that once he can destabilize our peace, our stillness from within, then anything on the outside can just take, our, take away our attention or, or take us off guard, all right? And the devil knows this. That's why he fights it consistently. He fights it because he knows our strength is in our stillness. Our strength is in the fact that there is peace within our hearts. So you find out that it is not the trouble on the outside that, this, that causes someone to, um, to be destroyed or defeated. Rather, it is the, this, um, the 
unstableness of the person's heart, uh, permit me to put it that way, all right, is that instability that comes from within that causes the person to tumble. It is just like somebody said, it is not the water on the outside that causes a ship to sink. It is water that gets into the boat or into the ship that causes it to sink. And the devil knows this. So the devil always fights our peace because he knows that once we are uneasy on the outside, once the storm on, or rather uneasy on the inside, he knows that once the storm on the outside successfully gets into us, then we are defeated. So it is not the strength of the storm that destroys people. It is the storm that they have allowed to get into their hearts. And the moment you lose your, your stillness, you've lost your strength. All right. So look at what verse 15 says. Still Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15. It says, for thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. So this is God himself speaking. He says, in returning and rest shall you be saved. So their salvation was tied to something, tied to their returning, which is like, which is repentance. And then secondly, tied to their rest meaning the stillness and the peace that comes from within. So if you see someone who is agitated or who, who is easily perturbed, perturbed rather, and the Bible says that an, on a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So when someone's mind is double, meaning there's no stillness, there's no stillness from within, he's thinking of this today, thinking of that tomorrow, that instability um, is not good. The Bible says he's unstable in all his ways. And that person should not think that he receive anything from God. All right. So it continues in verse 30 and says, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and you will not. So he was telling them that your strength is in, is in quietness. Your strength is not from running helter skelter. And let me even say this to us that our strength as believers is not from the activities on the outside. Our strength is from the stability that comes from peace from in um, from within. And if you ever see yourself in a situation and you are easily agitated, you are jittering and you are, you are just trying many options, you are, you are just trying whichever one works, let me just keep trying. And there's no assurance from within your heart. I can tell you that your efforts will yield no results once there's no peace from within. What yields result and where strength comes from is the quietness and the stillness of our heart. And like I said earlier, this is what the enemy fights. Because he knows that once you are still and you are, you are at peace within your heart, the waters in your, in your soul are quieting, quieting, right? Then, he, then he, he knows that he's defeated, that you can easily defeat him once you have that stability. And that's why the Bible says in Psalm 23 that he leads me beside the still waters. And that is, a, that is um, symbolic of the way God, God leads us. That in the midst of storm, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of dramatic experiences, that when God leads us, he always leads us beside still waters. There must be stillness in the leadings of God. If God is, or if God is leading you or what you think is God's leading, if it doesn't come with stillness, then I can tell you for, for free that that is not God. Every time God leads you, there is peace from within. And even if it means you are taking a risk, Maybe he has asked you to put all your money in a particular business, or he has asked you to maybe leave your very paying job, your good paying job, or he has asked you to relocate to a city that you don't know any single person there. Such kind of risk 
right, that will normally trouble your soul. But when God is leading you, there is peace and there's stillness. And I say this again, if you don't experience stillness and peace in that leading, then it is not God. Because the Bible says he leads us beside still waters. So God here is saying that our strength and our quietness, um, our strength rather, is in our quietness and our confidence. That assurance that comes from within our hearts. All right? Okay, good. Second scripture I want to read um, as by way of introdu- introduction is Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15. So never forget your strength is in your stillness. Your strength is in your stillness. Your strength is in your stillness. It is not in the number of activities you do on the outside or your number of efforts as it were, or even the number of connections you have or anything on the outside. Your strength is in your stillness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15, all right? It says, and above all these things, Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, right? Which it says, put on love. That's what charity means. Put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Verse 15 says, and let the peace of God, you know? Okay, let me finish that. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be ye thankful. My emphasis is on the first phrase that says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. If I come to your how um, come to your house, for instance, and um, I knock on your door. I mean, if I am your friend and you're, you 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 really love me, you're, what you would do is you welcome me in, meaning you let me in, okay? Meaning you open the door and you let me in to your house because you are welcoming me. That's what the Bible says. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart, meaning welcome the peace of God to rule in your heart. Allow the peace of God to take a rulership position in your heart. And the reason why it is it has to be so is because that is God's method of um, dealing with us. He deals with us from a place of peace, not from a place of trouble, anxiety, or, or um, agitation. No, he deals with us from a place of peace. All right. You know, last week we read um, Philippians 4 verse 6, and we're going to look at it today or shortly actually. Um, verse seven, uh, verse six says, um, "Be anxious for nothing, um, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God." And and verse seven says, "And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart." My emphasis here is that word "guard." And last week we looked at the fact that it it it's a it takes a military um, form where a soldier is protecting a place. All right, and that is the one of the works of peace. Peace in our hearts, in our hearts, protect us. Another thing that peace does is it rules as an umpire. It rules as it's, it takes the position of a ruler. All right, and that's what this scripture says in verse fifteen. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. What this suggests is that anything that does not stem from God's peace should not be permitted in your house. Just the same way in your house, for instance, you are you are the ruler. I mean. If you stay with your parents, then your parents are the ruler. But if it's your own house, say you rented your apartment and you're staying alone, you are the ruler of your house. You determine who comes into your house. You determine what comes into your house and what goes out of your house because you are the ruler of your house. And so the Bible is saying that let the peace of God rule over your heart, meaning let the peace of God determine what goes into your heart 
and what comes out of it. And if you let the peace of God rule over your heart, you naturally find out that you cannot entertain some kind of relationships because they are just troublesome relationships. They are high maintenance. They are um, today quarrel, tomorrow fight, next tomorrow reconciliation, the next two hours they are quarreling again. You know, some relationships you will not entertain in, in your life because peace is ruling over your heart, meaning anything that doesn't come with God's peace, even if it's a job, that a, a well-paying job that doesn't come with the peace of God, you will not let it, peace, you will not take it into your life because peace rules over your heart. So just to show us how important peace is and how important the stillness of our soul is, that's why I read these two scriptures, all right? Remember that your strength is in quietness and stillness. And secondly, let the peace of God rule over your heart. Okay. So let's dive into the meat of today's Bible study. Um, there are four things I want to share with us today. And I, like I said, if we're not able to finish the four things, um, we'll continue that later. But I'll just take my time to break them down and, um, and trust that we God, God you know, teaches us something. But I want us to look at how to experience and maintain the peace of God. So four practical ways to experience and maintain the peace of God. All right. So before I continue, let me be sure that we are together. All right. Um, okay. So what you're going to do for me is, is type in the comment chat and say, peace rules over my heart. All right. So drop this in the comment and say, and say peace rules over my heart. So I know that we are together. Peace rules over my heart. Peace rules over my heart. Go ahead and type that in. Let me... Uh, let me see it, and then we will proceed. All right. Um, so I want to look at four things, four ways to maintain, to experience and maintain the peace of God. Oh, thank you, Zoom. I see that peace rules over my heart. Um, Mixella, I haven't seen your comments yet. Just type that in. Let me be sure we are all together. Type peace rules over my heart. Amazing. Thank you. I see that on Mixeller. All right, good. So let us continue. Four, four ways to experience and maintain the peace of God in your life. Number one, hold on, please. Um, I need to reorganize my slides. Okay, good. Okay, number one is this, prayer. Number one is prayer. Number one way to experience and to maintain the peace of God in your heart is prayer. And I know someone will be like, oh, well, I expected to hear that, but I'm going to explain, we're going to explain this further. Um, but prayer is the first thing. You know, let us go back to our one of our anchor scriptures for this, um, for this whole topic, which is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. Um, the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 6 and 7, yep. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I'll read from the King James Version before I read uh, the Passion Translation, right? It says, be careful for nothing. And like I explained last week, this means, it doesn't mean you should be careless. It just means you should not worry or you should not be anxious. So it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So it says that don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. 
Rather, in everything, so regardless the situation, regardless the season, regardless the experience, regardless the event, regardless the person involved, the Bible says, in everything whatsoever, present by prayer and, uh, and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Meaning, in whatever situation, your default response should be prayer. And then what will happen after prayer is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Meaning peace is a direct consequence of prayer. So if there's something troubling you, what you should do is pray. And then the peace of God will come as a result of the prayer. If there's someone troubling you, what you should do is pray. And then the peace of God will come as a result of the prayer. If there's an event you're worried about, or you're worried about your child, for instance, you have a young child and you're just concerned about the child, you're worried, you have anxiety, maybe the child isn't growing or developing as he or she should, or um, um, you're worried about um, neither the environment or the safety of the child, probably the child is away, or it might even be a loved one, a relation or family member, whoever it is, the Bible says that your response should be to pray. And when you pray, the peace of God will flood your heart. So pray about whatever is troubling you. And I know this goes, this, I mean, you almost say, oh, well, that's, that's easy to know. But it's surprising that a lot of times, a lot of Christians don't really pray about what they are going through or about what is troubling them. They might talk about it with their friends. They might gist about it. They might complain about it. But rarely do they actually pray about that matter. It is impossible to pray through a matter and not experience the peace of God on that particular issue. All right? It is impossible. And look at the way um, the Passion Translation puts this. Passion Translation of Philippians chapter six, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Meaning, don't be, <clears throat> excuse me, don't be pulled in different directions. So let's say you are... Um, you are applying to, to, to a school or you want to do your master's, for instance, and you're trying, you're trying to get admission. The Bible says don't be pulled in different directions or be worried about it. Somebody says, oh, this school is, is, um, gives admission easily. Oh, this school is better. And you're just pulled in different directions. Or you're even applying for a job. Somebody comes and says, oh, there's this company they're hiring right now. They need somebody right now. And you run off in that direction. And somebody comes and says, no, you know, this one, you just have to pay this amount of money and do this. And you run after that direction. Someone comes and says, oh no, this is the way it works. You run, you are pulled in different directions. The Bible says, no, don't, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Rather, it says, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Now, listen to the next part. He says, tell him every detail of your life. And I really love that because many times Christians try to form more spiritual than God, all right? Meaning that they, they feel some things are not are too minute to pray about. But God wants to be involved in every detail, detail of your life. Even if it is, just think of anything little, anything, anything, in fact, just think about something that might not be so deep in quotes. God wants to be involved in that detail of your life. Let's say um, you work in an office, you go to the office um, every day to work, um, then maybe the person beside you always wears a particular kind of perfume that, you know, causes 
that you're allergic to basically, and you just keep sneezing. But you might not be able to tell the person because it's a bit of a sensitive matter, you know. Um, God wants to know about those kind of things as long as it is worrying you. As long as it is big enough or small enough to cause you to worry, God wants to hear about it. And so the Bible says, tell him every detail of your life. And what will happen is, the next thing says, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. So peace comes as a result of prayer. Anything that is troubling troubling you, pray about it. Um, You're worried about one of your staff pray about it. You are concerned about a, a friend, uh, but you don't know how to share the, express the concern, pray about it. And even if you know how to express the concern, still pray about it. Whatever is troubling you, pray about it. That's what the Bible says. Prayer, it should be our first response to um, anything that troubles us. Prayer should be it. All right. Okay. So let's proceed here. Um, I say here on the slide that prayer Sorry, that the only response to our needs that heaven recognizes is prayer. Let me say that again. The only response to our needs that heaven recognizes is prayer. Heaven doesn't recognize you, your complaint. Heaven doesn't recognize your gisting. Heaven recognizes your prayer. And that, like I said, many times, you know, and, and this happens most likely unconsciously because Believers talk about things, they complain about things, maybe they read things on the news, um, read, read things on the newspaper or on websites, or they hear things from the news, and then it troubles them, but the first thing they do is they, is they call a friend and say, oh, can you imagine this, what, what the governor said, this is what the president said, this is what is happening in that company or, or, or this, this institution, and they just about it, they complain about it, but they rarely pray about it, and heaven doesn't recognize your gists. Heaven doesn't recognize your complaint. Heaven doesn't recognize, in fact, some things move people to tears, but as much as God empathizes with what we go through, he doesn't respond to our, to our emotional expressions. He responds to our prayer. And I'm going to show you now, but don't forget this. The only response to our needs that heaven recognizes is prayer. Heaven doesn't recognize your worry. In fact, Jesus Christ said, um, can you, by worrying, add a single, single cubit to your, to your height? Can you, by worrying, change anything? And the obvious answer is no. All right? So your worry is not what heaven recognizes. While I agree that your crying might be a legitimate expression of your emotions, however, that is not what heaven recognizes. So what does heaven recognize? Um, let's read a story to give us an answer to that question. Genesis chapter 21 verse 14 to 17. Genesis chapter 21, um, verse 14 to verse 17. Genesis chapter, chapter 21, all right, verse 14, 17. I'm going to read that. And this is the story of, you know, Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, at this point, Abraham had just sent them out of the house and, um, because of the complaints of, that Sarah had. So look at verse 14 now. It says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child and, the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Verse 15. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, 
Verse 16, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, meaning she put him aside and she went somewhere else to sit down. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. All right. So they went into the wilderness, the bottle of water and food that Abraham gave them completely finished. And um, she said to herself, she can't watch her, her child die. So she put him aside and she, and she went to another place and, and wept. She was crying. And think about this as if you're the mother or, or the, the parent of this child, you will also be moved to tears. Your son that you gave birth to is about dying before your very eyes and there's nothing you can do about it. You would cry. And that is a very legitimate emotional expression. And she went out to cry. Or she went aside rather to cry. Look at verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. So the Bible says that God heard the voice of the child. The child was somewhere away from the mother. The mother was here crying, but the child heard the voice of the, the sorry, God heard the voice of the child. Even though the mother was crying, it was the voice of the child that God heard. And this is what I'm saying to you, that your emotional expressions, as legitimate as they are, is not what heaven pays attention to. So you might hear, receive, uh, receive sad news, God forbid now, maybe about something, let's say someone, a relation is, is sick and you're really troubled and you're even crying. As much as that is a legitimate expression of how you feel and it's okay to cry, there's nothing wrong with it. However, what moves heaven is not your crying. Yes, God empathizes with, empathizes with what we go through, but he doesn't respond to our emotional expressions. What he responds to is prayer. And the Bible says that God heard the voice of the child. The Bible doesn't tell us what the child said, but it was what the child said that God listened to, the prayer of the child that God listened to. So again, the only response to our need that heaven recognizes is prayer. And when we pray, then we experience the peace of God. So is there something that is troubling you currently? Take it to God in prayer. Don't just sit and complain about it. If you are finding difficulty in your place of work, let's say there's somebody in your office that is really making your work difficult or a client that is giving you a very tough time or even a vendor that is misbehaving or probably holds your money. Don't just call your, your fellow business people and say, can you imagine Mr. XYZ? I, I've paid him 8% of the money and he's not even doing this. And after that, you, you end up complaining or you, you call your colleague and say, do you, can you imagine what this manager said? This is what he even tried to do. And after all your gist, you don't pray. Your heaven doesn't respond to your gist. Heaven responds to your prayer. And it's in, in response to your prayer, heaven releases the peace of God. All right? So I said here that Hagar wept, but it was the voice of Ishmael that God responded to. What heaven responds to is our prayer, not our emotional expressions. What heaven responds to is our prayer, not our emotional expressions, all right? And our emotional expressions should push us to the place of prayer, okay? Um, but don't just, end, don't just end at being sad and being sorrowful and complaining and that's it, no. Take it to God in the place of prayer, all right? 
So let's read um, one more scripture before we we move to the next point. First Peter chapter five verse seven. Um, I'll read from the King James version. Then I'll read from the Passion translation as well. First Peter chapter five and verse seven. All right, the peace of God rules in my heart. I love that. All right, First Peter chapter five verse seven. Um, it says at the popular passage of scripture, most of us know. So know rather, the King James version says, "Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you." All right. So it says, "Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you." All right. But I want us to look at the way the passion, sorry, the passion translation, yes, puts it. He says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him. So I ask you today, is there something worrying you? Is there something that when you go to sleep, you, you think about it, it disturbs you? Is there anything like that? No matter how insignificant you think it is, all right? Even if it is the fact that every time you try to prepare food, you almost always end up burning the food you prepare. It might sound very insignificant. You might feel like, why am I going to, why would I bother God about this? But God says, that's your worry. As long as it is enough to cause you to worry, then it is enough to tell God about it. Don't sit in your worry and let it go. See, and this is because God loves us so much that he's concerned about every detail of our lives, all right? And so pour out all your worries and your stress upon him and leave them there. So when you pour your stress upon him, don't go back and carry the stress again. So let's say you pray about, let's assume you know your place of work, there's someone that is really giving you a tough time and you've gone to God in prayers about it. Don't go back and take that thing on yourself again once you laid it before him. And you, you might ask, how, how do you mean by taking it back from God? A very simple way people do that is by going back to complain about it. So if there's somebody, let's say my office that's um, giving me trouble, uh, or maybe there's something that is causing me to worry, maybe not, not necessarily someone giving me trouble, but let's say there's something in the office that is causing me to worry, all right? Uh, and I go to God in prayers about it. After praying about it, I, it is, I don't expect myself to go back and still complain about what I've prayed about. If I do that, then I'm taking my the cares I've given him, I'm taking it back to myself. Because complaining means I am it's still within my power and I'm trying to, you know, trying to be responsible for it. So it says, cast, put all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. All right. It continues to say, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them. Okay, sorry, I just repeated that rather. All right. Um, so, so this is what we should do. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. If you are praying about a loved one who is sick, don't go back complaining and be worrying about it. Leave your worry, leave your cares um, upon him. Do not take it back. All right. Okay, so that's the first way to experience and maintain the peace of God. First way is prayer, okay? Now, the second thing here is um, number two on this list is keep your heart focused on God, not the situation. No matter how compelling, all right? Keep your heart focused on God, not the situation. 
no matter how compelling. So no matter the urgency of the situation, no matter how much it is, it is looking you in your face, all right? Keep your heart focused on God because people lose their peace when their minds are, or their hearts are focused on other things besides God. And it might even be a legitimate concern, all right? And it may look like, like something helpful you're trying to do by focusing on that situation every day. But what you don't know is you are, you, that is counter, counterproductive because the more, more you focus on, this, on the challenge or the situation, the more you lose your peace about that situation. You don't solve the problem by looking at the problem. You solve the problem by looking at God. And let me, before I read the scripture we have here, um, let me just take us back to a story um, with the Israelites. A time came where the Israelites, you know, had um, had murmured before God and they had complained and God released an outbreak, an, an outbreak rather of snakes within the camp. And these people complained and tried crying before God. And Moses, uh, Moses went to God and prayed and said, Lord, have mercy. If not, you are going to kill all these people. And eventually God had mercy and said to Moses, okay, this is what you are going to do. Carve out a bronzing serpent, right, on a stick, and then take it and mount it somewhere. Anybody that is beaten by a snake, if they look at that bronzing serpent, they will be healed. They will not die. And that's what happened. But, you know, it is a very difficult thing to do because you just think of this practically. Right now, if mosquito bites you, you almost not, you cannot even ignore it. You keep itching, keep looking at the spot, keep trying to figure out what it is. Probably you rub your hand, if you beat on your hand, for instance, you rub your hand, you itch it, itch it, you'll be looking at it. And then you now tell me a whole snake bites me. I should not look at it. I should look at the bronzing serpent. It's going to be very difficult. However, that was the antidote to, to the snake bite. The solution wasn't to look at the snake bite. The solution was to look, was to look at the bronze serpent, look at something else that God had, had instructed Moses to do. And this is very true with our lives. That the solution to what we are going through is, doesn't come by looking at what we are going through. The solution comes by looking up, by looking onto Jesus. All right? So how do you maintain your peace? How do you maintain, how do, how do you experience and maintain the peace of God in your life? It's by focusing your heart on God, not on the situation. So you have bills to pay and the time is fast going. Yes, I know, but focus your heart on God. I know it is compelling. Maybe it's your house rent, it's the school fees, um, it's payment for a car or something and time is fast approaching. Focus on God, not the situation. That is the only way you can maintain peace in that um, situation, all right? So let's read um, Isaiah chapter two and verse three. Isaiah chapter two, Isaiah chapter two, verse three, all right? Um, I, we have, I have this here on the screen. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you, he trusts in you. Let me read that again. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because, because he trusts in you. If you read this from the, um, from the what's it called now, from the Hebrew, right? Where, where it says perfect peace, the word used there is shalom, shalom. That is a state of absolute peace a state of 
of perpetual peace where the peace is overflowing. That's why it's, that's why it is referred to as perfect peace. There is no there is no area that is not covered with peace. The Bible says that you keep him in perfect peace, right? Whose mind is stayed on you? That's whose mind is focused on you. That means God has a responsibility to those who have their hearts focused on him. And his responsibility is to keep them in perfect peace. And the reason is because those people trust in him. So if you want to experience consistent peace, right? Train your heart to focus on God. Train your heart to look towards God, not towards the situation. Oh, your wedding might be coming up and you don't have enough money for it. Or um, there is a there is a, a course you want to take, you don't have enough money for it. And then the timeline to the the due date to pay that pay for that um, course is about to close. You don't get the solution by focusing on solution. You focus on God and then the peace of God will flood your heart. Because the moment you keep worrying about, about that thing, or the moment you keep focusing your attention on, on that thing, you will lose the peace of God and worry will grow in your heart. So how do you keep yourself in perpetual experience of God's peace? Focus on God. I was going to say it's simple, but I will be honest with you, it is not easy on your flesh. However, with practice, it becomes you become better. You, you train your heart. And I'm telling you this, you must train yourself to ignore situations, all right? You must train yourself to ignore the noise of your environment. You must train yourself to ignore the contradictory situations that are staring you right in the face. Yes, they can be looking at you, but you, you don't have to look at them. Decide not to look at them. You know, two people can be, I mean, we two of us, for instance, can be in the same space. You are looking at me, but I decide not to look at you. I ignore you and maybe look at the TV or look at something else. That's what you should do to situations. The situations are looking at you right in your face, but you ignore the situations and look at Jesus Christ. And you know what will happen is that the more you look at Jesus, the more Jesus is magnified in your life and the more the size of that situation begins to shrink. So the more you look at Jesus, Jesus enlarges the situation shrinks. But when you look at the situation, the situation enlarges, Jesus shrinks. And so this is why, why you see people look at situations and they, they, it, the way they talk about it is as if God cannot solve it. And you won't ask yourself, does this person really know the power of God? But you won't blame them because they have been looking at that situation for long. Maybe it's a, an illness that runs in the family and two people in the family um, has, have lost their lives to that sickness. This, and this person is looking at that sickness as a big thing that God cannot solve. But you, you know that God has healed people of these sicknesses before. But this individual, because has, he or she has focused on that situation, the situation has become big in their eyes while Jesus has become small, not because Jesus is small, but because in their own sight and their eyes, he is small as a result of them not focusing on, on him, all right? So if you want to keep your heart in perfect peace, focus on Jesus, focus on God, focus on what God is saying, focus on what God has, has done, all right? Focus on, on his ability and his power, not on the sides of that situation, Remember, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, all right? 
Now, let us read Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 to 30. And this is a, a, a practical illustration of what happens when we take our eyes off Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, um, verse 28 to 30. Um, where am I? Okay, Matthew, yes, book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, we're reading verse 28 to 30. So this is the story of... Um, Peter, all right, this was when Jesus Christ walked on water. Peter saw him and he was, he was amazed. And he said, you know what, Jesus, if you are the one, ask me to come. Okay, now look at what happened. Verse 28, um, 14 verse 28 says, oops, sorry, I was in Mark. Uh, give me a minute. All right, 14, Matthew 14, not Mark, Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come unto thee on the water. So Peter took, made a bold request and says, Jesus, if you are really the one, ask me to come on this water. If you are the one that is walking on the water and it is not a ghost, tell me to come on this water too. And Jesus Christ said, come. So Peter received the word of God. And I want you to take note of that. And just like many of us, we have received the word of God concerning a situation. Maybe it is concerning a business you're about to start or a business you even started, God has given you his word concerning it. Maybe it's about your family, your marriage, your children, your siblings, um, a, a, your job, whatever it is, God has given you his word, right? Just like he gave his word to Peter and he said, come, you have received the word of God, right? And that's fantastic. But look at what happened here. And when Peter, uh, sorry, verse 29, right? And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Everything was fine and going smooth up to this point. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Did you notice that fear came as a result of his sight? That when he saw, he was afraid. When he saw Jesus, he had faith. When he saw the wind, he had fear. And this explains a lot about why people have lost their peace. It's simply because of where the attention is, is on. All right, let me, let me finish reading this. When he, saw, um, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. So Peter saw Jesus walking on water. And when he saw Jesus, he said, he had so much boldness and faith to say, Jesus, if you're the one, ask me to come. And Jesus Christ said, come. And we, with that faith, Jesus, Peter stepped on the water and he was walking on the water until something happened. The noise from the environment, the storm. Mind you, all this while, the storm did not stop. At this point, the storm had not stopped. Even when Peter was started walking on water, there was still storm. But he began to look at the storm. And so fear, the Bible says he became afraid. Fear entered his heart. He lost his peace. He did not lose his peace because the storm increased. He did not lose his peace because anything changed on, on the outside. He lost his peace because he took his eyes off Jesus Christ. And this is why a lot of people have, have lost their peace. It is not because <clears throat> the situation in the country or in the, your company or what you're going through in your life is really big or is bigger than God. It is because the attention has been taken away from God. So keep your eyes focused on, on Jesus. You will express that inner peace. Remember I said at the beginning that it is not the water 
outside of the ship that causes it to sink. In fact, even when a ship is experiencing storm, it is not the water on the sea, right, outside the ship that makes the ship to sink. The ship would sink only when water gets into it. And it is the same thing too. It is not the storm on the outside that really causes us to lose our peace. It is the fear that comes into our hearts. It is when we open our hearts and allow the storm to get inside that we begin to lose our peace. So as long as, G as Peter looked at Jesus, his peace was intact. But the moment he looked at the storm, fear came in. Again, like I said, you don't, you know, it's a temptation of the devil, a trick of the enemy, right? That, will, that makes people want to always look at that situation, look at that challenge, look at that problem. Oh, if they say, there's a, if they are feeling sick, for instance, they wake up and they, they, want to, they want to nurse the sickness. They want to pay attention to the sickness and say, oh, oh no, I'm just feeling so cold. I can't do anything. I just want to lie down. Meanwhile, what the enemy is doing is that he, by causing you to pay attention to that sickness, your, your peace is lost and fear continues to grow. But what God wants you to do is to look at Jesus. And I am not saying this is going to be the easiest thing, like I've mentioned, because just like the children of Israel, it wasn't easy for them to, after being beaten by a snake, then look at look up to the bronzing serpent. serpent. It is easier to nurse your wound than to look up at, at the cross. But God is saying, if you want your peace to be intact and maintain and, uh, and experience peace all through, then you must train your heart to look at Jesus Christ. All right? Okay, so I said here that Peter began to sink, not because of the storm, but because he took his eyes off Jesus. In the same way, we don't lose our peace because of the storm, but because we lose focus of Jesus Christ. All right? So I've, I've emphasized this enough. Um, let's read a scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Um, it's a popular scripture. It says, um, um, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, sorry, endured the, the shame, right? Um, and now stayed at the right hand of God. But I want to read this, just the first part from the Passion Translation, just the first, um, first um, phrase from the Passion Translation. It says, we look away from the natural realm. And this is so powerful. That means what you are going through, look away from the natural realm, all right? And we focus our attention and expectation on Jesus. Look away from the natural realm. You know, Peter was walking on the water because of the word Jesus gave to him. He said, come. And he was not looking at the storm when he started walking on water. But after some time, he began to look at the natural realm. He looked at the natural things. The sea was, was, was boisterous. The wind was there. Things were, were, were going on. He began to look at those natural um, natural things, the things in the natural realm. And I'm saying to you today that I'm saying to you today that you have received the word of God, maybe concerning that business. Okay. You have received the word of God. And when the word of God came initially, you were excited, right? You were excited. You started the business. And then after some time, you began to face hindrances or face brick walls. Maybe you began to face competition or one obstacle or another. And you began to you you began to look at the natural realm. You say, oh, in this my industry, they are already 
big players there. What am I going to do that these people are not already doing? You look at it, the, the cost of, of, of even renting an office space, you say, wow, this cost is so, is so much. All right, you're looking at the natural realm. And the Bible says we look away from it. We should look away from the natural realm. That is how we experience the peace of God. If you focus on the natural realm, you will lose your peace every day. Every single day, you'll be losing your peace. Because you turn on your TV, what you see on the news is, is sad, is, is disheartening. You go on Twitter, what you see is disheartening. You just take a stroll, you hear two people discussing, and what they're discussing is disheartening. You will lose your peace if you observe the natural realm. I'm telling you the truth. Especially if you are taking steps of faith that God is leading you on. If you are considering, you know, the Bible says, he who considers the wind will not sow. If you are considering the natural realm, you will not do anything. Let me say this to you. If you are getting, I don't know why this marriage thing, wedding thing is coming back, but let me just say again, in case someone listening or someone that will listen to is, um, is on in these shoes. If you are looking at the natural realm before you proceed with your wedding, you will not get married though. Isn't in the next 10 years before you get, get married, you don't look at the natural realm. I'm not saying you don't plan, but I'm saying that you don't, you don't make decisions based on the limitations of the natural realm. You don't start a business because you have so much money. No, ask anybody that started business. I mean, most people that started businesses, they didn't have all the money they needed, but they started. All right. So the Bible says we look away from the natural realm and you must train your heart to look away from the natural realm. You are, they are taking a course and they say this course is difficult, that only 5% of the people that take it pass, pass the course. You must look away from the natural statistics and focus your attention and expectation on Jesus. If you are going to experience peace, let me tell you, you must look away from the natural realm. I cannot emphasize this enough. The people who you, you look at them and you admire their, them and they're so much at peace, it's not because there are no problems around them. It's because they don't look at the natural realm. People don't do great things because of the because the environment favors them. By default, the environment doesn't favor anybody. The people that do things are those who decide not to look at the natural realm. So please, uh, my encouragement to us is this. If you are going through a particular situation that is causing you to worry, don't look at the natural realm. Look unto Jesus Christ. Go back to the word that God spoke to you at the beginning. And if you don't have a word yet, then go and pray. Let God give you the word that will secure your peace. Just the same way God spoke, Jesus said to Peter, come, that singular word, one word, four letters, four letter word was enough to cause Peter to walk on water regardless of the storm. I'm telling you that the word God has given you is enough to cause you to walk on water regardless of the storm you are going through right now in life. All right? So we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation on Jesus Christ. Okay, um, lastly, and I'm going to, we're going to end on this note. We're just going to read one, one more passage of scripture on still on this second point. Um, next week, we'll continue um, the third and the fourth point, all right? So um, last scripture we're reading here is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, still on the matter of looking. Because your, your experience is determined by what you look at or who you look at. And never forget this. Your experience is never determined by your circumstance. It is determined by what you look at. How do I know this? If you take a seed of beans, for instance, and throw it in a pile of dirt, the beans will not would grow and still produce beans. It will not grow and produce the dirt in the environment. 
it will still grow and produce the, 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 the result of the life that is inside the seed. So it is not the environment that determines you what you produce. It is what you are connected to. It is who you look at. Because if you say, oh, well, um, this I'm in a country where we're not doing well, so I'm going to change my country. I'm going to move to a different country. Fine and good. But I can tell you that in that same country you're complaining about, there are people that are cashing out, like, like we say. There are people that are excelling and succeeding. And in the country you are running to, there are people that are, are suffering as well. If you say, oh, okay, maybe it's, um, it's because I am from this village or I'm from this part of, of the town or I'm from this ethnicity or from this local government or this state, I will tell you that in that, from that same state, there are people that are doing well, all right? And the people, the, the state, quote unquote, you are wishing you are from, there are people also that are not doing well. So it is not your environment that determines your productivity. It is first and foremost what you focus your attention on, or rather, in this case, who you focus your attention on. All right. So, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen. Let's read that quickly. In fact, let's read from verse seventeen. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So our affliction, right, which is for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding weight of glory. Just like the example I gave, the seed of beans, even though you plant it in a pile of, of, of rubbish, a pile of dirt, all right, the, the beans, what the beans does, or what the seed does is that it uses the dirt to its advantage, which now serves as manure and fertilizer for its growth. And that's what the Bible is saying, that your light affliction should serve as your catalyst for growth. It works for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. However, the way that will happen, look at verse 18. It says, while we look, meaning that if a situation would work out for good, you know, the Bible says all things work together for our good, right? Um, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If all things will work together for your good, then there's something you must do. And the key is in verse 18. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, you don't focus your attention on the physical realm or the natural realm, um, like the um, like Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says. All right, he says, you, you look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That you take your eyes off the physical and put your attention on the supernatural, on the spiritual. And the reason is because the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are, in, are eternal. Temporal here means they are subject to change. That is the things you are considering, the, the, the external limitations are subject to change. But the things that are more eternal, the things that are more powerful are the things that you cannot see. So the Passion Translation, let me read it out for us. It says, um, just verse 18 now of the uh, um, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Passion Translation, it says, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen. And if there's one thing I want to emphasize to us today is this, that if you're ever going to walk in peace, to, to experience God's peace perpetually and live in peace, then you must train yourself not to focus your attention on what can be seen. Because the things you see on the outside constitute limitations, give you enough reason to worry. Um, you read that, that um, um, uh, people, people, 
people be, I mean, life expectancy has reduced. All of a sudden, you're worried. You read that people um, that, you know, do this and do this kind of job are prone to this kind of disease. You are worried. And as much as information is good, if you focus your attention on physical things that you can see, then you would lose your peace. So he says, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And this is where true maturity comes in. The ability to, to take your eyes off what is physical and focus it on what is spiritual. He says, for what is seen is temporary, but, what, but the unseen realm is eternal. And, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse, sorry, 2 Corinthians 3 verse, verse 18, right? It says, but we all with open face beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. So the moment you be, the, the more you behold, the more you are changed. It says you're changing into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of God. All right. So one of the ways we experience the peace of God in our lives is by keeping our attention on Jesus Christ keeping our gaze, our focus on Jesus Christ, all right? So I'm going to stop here today because our time is up. Um, don't forget, there are four things I, I, I said that will, that will help us um, maintain our peace, and we just looked at two of them. Number one is prayer, and this is simple, and everybody should know this, but many people don't practice it. Pray about every single thing. As long as the thing has the power to cause you to worry, then you should pray about it. God loves you enough to hear about anything that causes you to worry, all right? Then secondly is keep your gaze, keep your attention, keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Remember, Peter began to sink, not because of the storm, but because he took his eyes off Jesus. And in the same way, we don't lose our peace because of the storms of life, but because we lose focus of Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. So we're going to stop here today and um, we'll continue from where we stop and we'll continue next week rather um, from where we, where we stop today. Um, however, I would really like to hear from us. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, experiencing the peace of God. Okay. Um, what are some of the things you do to maintain that peace, to experience and maintain that peace? You know, what are some of the things you do personally to experience and maintain that peace? We asked a similar question last week, um, but I want to hear from some of us today as well. What are some of the things you do to experience and maintain the peace of God? I'll, actually, I'm not sure we, 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 no, we didn't ask this last week. Last week, we, we looked at the things that cause us to worry. But today, I want to hear from us, what are some of the things you do as an individual that helps you maintain the peace of God in your life? Please feel free to share it. Um, if it's even, even if it's something we've already shared today or something we haven't shared, please go ahead to share with us. We will do this in two minutes. You could just type it in. What, is, what are some of the things you do that helps you to experience the peace of God in your life. All right, what are some of these things? Please feel free to share with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you're on Mixer, you can just type in your comments. If you're on Zoom, you can just go ahead and mute yourself and speak. What are some of the things you do to experience and to maintain the peace of God in your hearts?
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Thank you very much for um, this, um, the Bible study so far. Uh, I was following on Miss Salah. Um, what I do to, one of the things I do to maintain the peace of God, uh, I'm talking about a very critical condition, especially when I'm disturbed talked about an issue mm. uh, one what i do is just to stop making my effort mm. stop trying to make my own effort just just calm down just don't even contact anybody don't make any decision because at that point i feel if i do anything i'll still be disappointed so i just hands up for a while mm -hmm. and then many times i've seen god intervene then number two is um <laughs> this may sound like an um, an old time religion something, but um, I just go to where if there's a service close to me, if there's a church close to me, I try and attend that church or attend that uh, fellowship. Somehow, somehow, I've discovered many times that I don't live there the same, or else I play. Now that we have um, live services going on, on if you just go to YouTube, you see I just listen to one disconnect my mind totally from that thing and listening to somehow most times it has been proven in my own scenario in my own case that i will hear something that will just lift up that thing that is causing a what i call it despair or trouble and then peace will come and then like i don't say like magic like mm -hmm. a miracle it doesn't even have a hold on me again that thing that is taking away my peace so somehow not just for any, even if it's financial or maybe health issue or something or whatever it is, mm. connecting to or not, the Bible says iron, sharpen irons, deep core onto, uh, deep cause onto deep. That's how I um, maintain my peace. Thank you. Thank you. And reading the Bible too, reading the Bible has, it's, it's even if you, you don't even feel like reading or there's no special revelation, just read, go and pick one Bible story like this, just be reading it. Before you know, for me, oh, that thing just goes. <laughs> Amazing. Good. Thank you very much for sharing that. This is very, very instructive. So three things you said. One is you just take your hands off it, right? And stop trying to put in more efforts. You just hands off from it, at least for a while. Um, second thing is you find a way of fellowshipping with other people, either physically or online, uh, because most times God just drops a word that lifts your spirit and then is um, studying the word of God, right? Yes, studying God's word, um, studying the word of God. Okay, thank you very much. Very, very, very helpful. Um, or please feel free to type in your own comments on this. How do you maintain the peace of God in your life? Is when things are troubling you, or something is troubling you, what do you do to ensure your peace? Um, to me on Zoom says, one thing I do is to stop worrying about the situation. Interesting, to stop worrying about the situation. But to me, I would really like to ask you, I mean, because you tell me stop worrying about the situation, how? How do I stop worrying about something that is in front of me? So if you can tell us how you stop worrying about the situation, I think that will be helpful as well. All right? So please feel free to um, expand to me. Okay, thank you. Go ahead. I hope you can hear me because my network is bad. I can hear you loud. Can you time. hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Um, so to so stop worrying about it, just take your mind off it. Focus on something else. 
if it's music, if it's to talk to someone, just go outside, play, watch a movie, just do something else, something other than that thing, just to take your mind off it. And um, another thing that I do is if there is, like, okay, what I do is just to like shut the devil. Like, if there is any voice that wants to come and start telling me something that is opposite what the peace of God is saying, you just want to like rebuke it immediately, just shut the devil and don't listen. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. So, this is very helpful. So, one, you say you take your mind off it which is similar to what um, um, was shared earlier. Just take your mind off it and just take your mind off it, basically. Second is you shot the devil. Um, um, to me, let me ask you again. Let me probe further. How do you shut the devil? When you say shut, shut off the devil, I mean, what, what do I do? Explain to me. I just gave my life to Christ this morning and this evening you're telling me to shut the devil. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. Okay. Um, so things that you can do about that okay so if the, if a negative thought comes to your mind you rebuke it in jesus name you um, speak positive things maybe you can just quote a verse of the scripture if you have if you have that particular verse for example now i was praying about something a while ago and um, i i got an affirmation from god like it was it came in form of a bible verse so when i started getting that negative thoughts again in my mind i just post the verse and then just repeat it like three four times so that's like one way to shut the devil yeah thank you very very helpful very fun and fantastic as well so you shut the devil up by rebuking him and declaring god's word over your life or that situation amazing on Mix LR, um, Dang says by prayer and fasting. So how he maintains the peace of God in his heart by prayer and fasting. He goes on to say, use the word of God as a shield to every um, response, which is very similar to what Sumi just explained now. Fantastic. You, you guys have literally peeked into my notes for next week, and that's fine. Um, but, but this is really, really good. Thanks for sharing this as well um i i have learned so next week we're going to continue this so we'll just continue the third and the fourth way to maintain to experience and maintain god's peace in your life but from what we've shared now it just shows that um we have practical ways of dealing with things that try to steal the peace of god from our hearts all right and um this is really amazing and like i said last week you know in the in, the, in this era of mental health awareness in increased mental health awareness it is easy to resort to just physical means alone, um, but that wouldn't suffice because certain things are born from the spirit realm. And if, if we don't address it from the spirit realm, then no matter the medical help or psychological assistance you get, if the root of the problem hasn't been dealt with, then you will just keep going in circles, all right? So fantastic, and thank you everyone for joining us today. We've come to the end of today's Bible study. Um, is there anyone joining us for the very first time today? Kindly drop a comment in the chat and let us know this is your first time joining us. Um, all right, before we go, everyone just type in something you learned today. Real quick, real quick, real quick, under one minute. Type in one thing you learned today um, that you're going back with. I learned about XYZ. Type it in the, in the comment section and um, we will close with that. 
Please let's do that quickly. Anything you've learned today, just go ahead and type it in and um, let's close on that note, all right? So while we're typing that in, like I said, next week we're continuing with meetings on Tuesday, um, every Tuesday, 7 p.m., the same um, the same link, the same time, 7 p.m. West African time. Um, I want to encourage us, please, if this has blessed you or any Bible study at all has blessed you, remind someone to join or invite someone to join, remind them to join. Um, even if they are members already, sometimes people just need a reminder, just need a little nudge. So nudge them to join and say, hey, you know, if I make yourself an accountability partner to three people, and say, as long as I'm, I'm attending, even if I'm not able to attend, I want to make sure that these three people always attend. So look around. I know this is not a fiscal meeting, but just look at, look online, right? And see who isn't here that you know, and then encourage them to come. Let's tear, let's tear ourselves up to um, good works, all right? Okay, thank you. Um, Esther says, not what I learned today, not to give attention to negativity. To me says, um, look away from the physical slash natural and focus on the spiritual slash supernatural. Thank you very much. Um, all right. I will say any comment on Zoom, sorry, on Micellar. Please type in what you learned, what you've learned today. I haven't seen your comments yet. I believe they are still coming in. Kindly type them in as we close with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to learn from you, to, to share with each other, to um, look into your word and to be blessed. We receive the grace to stay in the place of prayer concerning any particular matter until we receive your peace on it. Also, we receive the grace to look away from the natural things, um, look away from the physical things that bring worry and trouble to our hearts, but rather to look unto you, Jesus Christ, to fix our gaze onto you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, everlasting Father. As we meet next week, we have testimonies. Um, we have increase in, in, in people. We have increase in reach. Your word of God gains ground in our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, everlasting Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you one more time for joining in. Okay, one more comment just before we go. Idara on Mixellar says, what she learned is that lack of peace doesn't necessarily come from the situation around us. It's from taking our eyes off Jesus. Amazing. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us today. God bless you. Do have a wonderful remaining part of the day.